to Tuesday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Getting set for the back-to-back tonight against the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets as Toronto took care of the Nets in a big-time way yesterday in the borough. 133-97, the final, a 36-point domination for the Raptors. And it came on a night where Pascal Siakam struggled again, 2 of 14 for only 8 points. Gary Trent, 3 of 10, 12 points. But how about the performance from Scotty Barnes, 12 of 14. Talk about efficient with a career-high time, 28 points in Jonesy, 16 rebounds with 4 assists, 5 steals, and a block for the rookie who had a great first game after the break, hit a bump in the road on Saturday in Atlanta, and then came back with another monster performance in the Raptors, again, blowout victory of the Nets last night. Yeah, he was he was really good. He, um, you know, he set the tone. We, we Talking about it, he set the tone right away. On the first play of the game, he steals the ball from James Johnson and, and takes it in to score. Um, so there was, you know, uh, he got the message about the Raptors and their play and and it's uh, it was pretty impressive to see the young man step forward like that. And as you said, uh, not great nights from Siakam and and Trent, and they still win handily. But I will say that it was something that uh, if you look at the numbers, they were amongst the leaders in assists on a, on a night when the Raptors had a what a team a season high for assists. The Raptors had a season high for assists, and the two guys that didn't shoot the ball well. We're leading in assists, and they did other things right. too, defensively. So, it was it was it was good. Now, how many times have we seen this e where a team is a team is on fire one night, and the next night they can't buy a basket? Right, a baseball game where you're in a three game series and you beat the team fifteen to one in the first game, and you lose the next game one nothing. Right, you just so you hope it carries over. You hope they've. I mean, they'll play hard. That's been pretty much established with the Raptors, but you hope the success carries over and all the other stuff does too. Well, and Jones, your point about uh, the assist, just to give the numbers to the folks that, uh, hey, hopefully you didn't tune out. Hopefully you you were still tuned in and dialed into the broadcast uh, overall because it was a a dominant game for the Raptors. And if you're you're clicking off when they're getting blown out, well, you should stick around when they are blowing out an opponent. But Pascal Siakam, to Jonesy's point, a team high six assists. Gary Trent had five. Malachi Flynn with five. I'm going to jump back to him in a second. Off the bench, Precious Achua with a solid, solid game. Uh, Arguably his best of the season. 20 points, eight rebounds and four assists for Achua in only 24 minutes of action. But how about Malachi Flynn? I just glazed over him for a moment, but want to make sure that he gets his uh, his spotlight, his flowers right now, filling in for Fred Van Vliet, who is sidelined with that knee. 18 points in 34 minutes for Flynn, 7 of 11 from the floor, four assists, or excuse me, five assists, four rebounds, two steals, and easily his best game of the season, stepping up in that starting lineup. And Jonesy, the fact that he got the start, um, I think is certainly a positive sign for Malachi. And I think it's, to some extent, vindication in, in a couple of senses. Vindication for Malachi Flynn, or validation perhaps is even a better word than vindication, that he is working in practice, 
he's earning his minutes and he's earning the trust of the coach to put him in the starting lineup because he could have easily gone in a different direction. You could have had, you know, Scotty Barnes playing point forward. You could have had Gary Trent handling the ball, heck, even Siakam. Thus, you could have started a guy like Chris Boucher. Maybe you could have even started a Thaddeus Young, but instead, or even, for that matter, at the point, Delano Banton. But nope, instead, he goes... Nick Nurse does with Malachi Flynn. So kudos to Flynn for staying with it, but also maybe validation for Nick Nurse in that a lot of people have been kind of chirping over the course of the season. What's wrong with Malachi? How come he's not getting a chance? Everybody else has been given opportunities, and I think Nick Nurse has given him his spots, and he's constantly preached and talked about guys earning it, guys getting there, and we've talked about many times Nick Nurse is the kind of guy, not just this season, but in previous seasons gone by as well, he rewards guys for hard work, for the stuff that we don't see, that the fans don't see as well behind the scenes. And when they then prove themselves in game action, when the lights are really on, he rolls with guys. He gives guys an extended leash, extended minutes. And I think that's what we saw with Flynn, and I'm assuming we will see more of moving forward. Well, look, the, the key for Malachi, he had a great night last night, but the key is to, um, you know, if, 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 if Fred can't go tonight and he gets the start again, another performance. I mean, you've heard Nick Nurse talk about this, that, uh, you know, if there's five nights and a guy's giving it to you, nobody's going to give it to you five nights in a row. But don't give it to me one night or two nights. I need it three or four. I, I, I need a, con, a, a consistent... Uh, mo in terms of your play, and for Malachi, that's that that'll be a key tonight. Again, if Fred's unable to go, uh, and he starts, the same effort, um, the same results need to come through. If Fred does start, and he only gets you know spot minutes or uh, relief minutes in terms of Fred in the second unit, then the play has to be at the same level. And I've been saying this for a while, Eric. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like Malachi Flynn's like a five-year or six-year vet. I mean, it just, it just seems like he's, he's been around forever, and the kid's only in his second year. And I kind of watched him, and it looks to me from the outside, and I haven't probed and delved into it and talked to anybody with the team. And I, just my own observation, being at the arena this year and, um, you know, watching him in summer league, He's had Kyle and Fred as mentors in front of him as a small guy, as a little guy, and as a point guard. And I think he's become a, a really good young professional early on in his career. If he wasn't, as you said, if he wasn't working and being prepared, staying prepared, then he would have fallen flat on his face last night. And, I mean, that's not to say he's going to come out and play just as well tonight he may he may not but what I look at is the effort and and you know his demeanor and deportment out on the floor and the fact that he's not playing he doesn't come in and go oh so now I'm playing oh you put me in now and then tries to do things that um, you know are, are working outside of his, his comfort zone his lane his role his character with the team no he's he's pretty much doing what he's asked uh, he's not He's playing team basketball. He's not trying to do too much. And if a guy had a bad attitude, that's the kind of stuff that would show it. I think Malachi is becoming, you know, a good young professional, if you ask me. 
and his preparedness showed itself last night. Jonesy, you know what I think this could be a product of as well? Um, the, the, the fact that we um, are talking about his, good use of the word, by the way, his deportment and whatnot, his demeanor and all that. And I, listen, just as a quick aside, I'll throw myself into the mix, not necessarily with athletes or athletics or sports all the time, because I like to think more often than not, I find the separation, the division between sort of the game, the life, the celebrity, the pop culture of it all. But I know that, hey, have I watched some of the TV shows or read some of the, you know, the, the, the trashy magazines and whatnot when it comes to movies and TVs and celebrities? Yes, I think we all get caught up in the celebrity and, and whatnot. But I think my take, I don't know if you agree or not, I think a lot of the narrative regarding Malachi Flynn this year perhaps has been guided or steered in some or in many people's eyes by what was coming from Malachi's dad and not necessarily what was coming from Malachi Flynn. Not from his mouth, not from his body language, not from his actions, not from his play, but by what somebody else was saying behind the scenes on Facebook or on YouTube or Twitter or on social media or in interviews, and it wasn't coming from Malachi himself. And I think too many people got caught up in the soap opera or the drama of what Dad was saying as opposed to, what's Malachi saying? And how's he reacting? And what's he doing? And I think that maybe is where uh, lines or opinions or views got blurred. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and uh, like I said, I just uh, look at the kid, look at the player, and look at how he's playing and look at what he's doing. And, I mean, I've had little conversations with him courtside and, you know, how's things going and you hanging in? He goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, getting my work done. And, and those, like, those are the things. And I said... The, Last night, the way he played showed you that he was staying ready. He he was he was aggressive. He was he was confident. Um, he did things with conviction. <laughs> Maybe a mistake here or there, but um, you know the old the old adage: not always right, but never in doubt. And I, I, you know, I kind of like what he's doing, what he's giving them. And I think this kid could be uh, he could be he could have a decent career in the league, whether it's here in Toronto for seven eight years or. Uh, with somebody else, depending on where Toronto sees him or if somebody else wants him in a trade or anything. And look, I'm not trying to trade him off, but um, I, I, just like, I just like what the kid's doing. You know, they, they, they picked a guy in, they hoped, the image of Kyle and Fred, and I think they may have succeeded if that's what they were looking for. Well, let's hear from Nick Nurse after the ball game last night, after the Raptors' victory over the Nets, talking about the man we've just been discussing, Malachi Flynn. Listen, he's he's really had an uptick, I think, in his confidence and his play here lately. Um, and I always say this: you kind of got to read the game and take what's there. If if they're, you know, if you're blasting into the lane and there's there's some there's some space to create for yourself, you got to do it. And if it closes down, you got to be able to make the right read. My my, what I'm happy with is that he's doing that, touching the paint a lot. Right. I just think that good things are going to happen and he's doing it with some explosiveness. I mean, like he's in there quick and fast and, and deep in the paint. And, and, um, that usually is going to, you know, cause some problems, especially if you got any kind of finishing game at all, which he's, 
Again, he's blasting through there a little bit. I mean, he's going to get some different coverages and different looks depending on who we're playing and all those kind of things. And and um, then he'll need to make his progressional reads. There is Nick Nurse on Malachi Flynn again. Flynn last night, 18 points, five assists, four rebounds, a couple of steals, seven of 11 from the floor, including three of five from distance. You know, Jonesy, one of the things that certainly helped on the other side, uh, the Raptors defensively um, really shutting down the Nets overall. Brooklyn shooting only 38% for the game. But one that jumps off the page, especially when we think back to earlier in the year, uh, even when the Raptors saw the Nets uh, ravaged by COVID and injuries and everything else, yes, I know Kevin Durant was still in the lineup at that point, but Patty Mills was a beast in the previous game against the Raptors. And yesterday, last night, just one of eight from the floor for the vet. And I got to assume uh, he's not going one of eight tonight. Well, and, and you're right, Eric. He really hurt Toronto uh, in, in the game, the overtime loss. Uh, he, Patty Mills really hurt Toronto. I thought they did a good job with him last night. And just to put a bow and, and wrap up Nick's point. Um, you can expect Malagai to get a little different attention tonight. Uh, you, you, know, we, you know, we talk about it in baseball. You see a pitcher for the first time and fastball's a little faster and the, 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 the curve, it, it's got a bigger hook to it. Second or third time they see this guy, uh, they know what to expect. So as Nick said, you can expect there be some different coverages and um, the scouting report will be a little bit more in-depth on Malachi again next time they see him. If it is tonight, uh, we don't know. But I, I was impressed with the Raptors' defense all night, Eric. Uh, it, you know, they, did a, they, they had the Nets down around 35% at one point. Patty Mills, Seth Curry got no looks, um, no, no clean, really clean open looks. And, uh, you know, the, the, the way the Raptors' defense worked, the first – the first tenant, the first issue is ball pressure. Take away time and space. And they did that really, really well last night. And I think, again, it starts at the point of attack. I thought Malachi did it. Um, you know, he's, again, he's used to watching Fred and, you know, last year a guy like Kyle do it. So um, it was, the defense was really good last night. It was, it was really, really good. The Raptors and Nets will do it again tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. And uh, before we maybe look at some of the other games last night, we will talk more about the uh, Nets and Raptors at the bottom of the hour. And Matt Devlin, television voice of the Raptors, joins us as he uh, is still sidelined. Uh, unfortunately, you know, dealing with COVID, but we've talked to Matty D and he's feeling well and uh, raring to get back on the broadcast and whatnot. So we'll talk to him about last night's game and just his experience overall thus far. So more on that game uh, again in about 10, 15 minutes time at the bottom of the hour. Um, but, uh, you know, before I said I, I wanted to move on, Jonesy, to perhaps some other games around the league last night, tonight's game, again, 7.30 tip-off, first time in a couple of months, fans in the building. And we go from zero to 100, pretty much literally speaking, from no fans to uh, either a sellout or, 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 or near sellout tonight. Uh, forget 50% or otherwise, it's going to be a, a full building or as many people that, that want to come that can pack in there, Jonesy. And uh, it's, it's going to feel different. Uh, it's going to be different. But this is something that certainly has been uh, uh, needed or wanted at the very least for a long time. And I, I've got to imagine the vibe in there is going to be kind of strange in a sense, in a good way, uh, I think, for the players, let alone for fellow fans, but for the players to be back to playing in front of a crowd, which they haven't done since uh, mid-December. Interesting, Eric. When we were in um, uh, Atlanta, 
Sean Powell, the, the writer for NBA.com, good friend of ours, uh, had some questions about playing without crowds. <laughs> I said, man, it's, it's like playing a pickup game, Sean. Uh, everybody can hear stuff. I mean, the game ops did a nice job of masking that by piping the sound in. And I said, the rest of the arena functioned like it was a full house, even the intros, the, the video, all of it. But um, I said, it, it's, it's tough. The guys created their own energy. The bench was, was up and making noise, and it impacted everything. The play, you know, the players, the Raptors kind of got used to it, but that didn't mean that they liked it. It, it impacted uh, referees. There's no pressure uh, on the referees. There's no pressure on the opponent coach, the opposing coach, if their crowd's going crazy to call a timeout or... You know, do you let your team play through it? Uh, it it's just very different. And, um, you know, it's the one thing that I hope that the crowd doesn't get back and all of a sudden people start, you know, yucking it up for the crowd and playing out of character. I, I don't think that'll happen with the Raptors. I mean, they're mature, veteran, experienced uh, players at this level. They understand their roles. But it's going to be great to have a full house. Um, it, be nice. It'd be really nice for the team. It'd be a nice atmosphere. And it'll be good for the fans. I just hope people do their best, even within that, to try and stay safe, keep themselves safe, and keep everybody else that's around them safe. Uh, let's look at a couple other games around the association before we turn our attention back to the Raptors and Nets again when Matty Devlin uh, joins us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Jonesy, a couple that stand out for me, uh, I'm sure I'll hit on at least one of, or a couple if not, that you're thinking about as well. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks last night beating the Charlotte Hornets 130-106. Giannis Antetokounmpo with 26 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 blocks, 2 steals on 6 of 10 shooting, and and a perfect 14 of 14 at the free throw line. We often talk about Giannis, and if he starts making the three lookout, tell you what, if he starts making free throws consistently as well, which he has been doing more of this season, that's going to be an issue because no longer hack a Giannis late in a ball game or, or take away his, his drive, his athleticism, etc. by sending him to the free throw line. If he's going to knock down free throws like that, I don't know how you stop this guy. That's something, Erica, that, you know, you talk about it. That's something that uh, I'm going to be watching closely in the stretch drive here the last, you know, 20 games. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, as a championship team and the defending NBA champions, champions, what is their mindset? How are they playing going into the playoffs? Because they were pretty good over the course of the year, not overreacting to big losses or... Uh, they'd lose two, three in a row, no big deal. They'd, they'd get back on track. They've done a nice job. They, they really have of kind of weathering it, and they're a good spot in the standings. They, they probably realize we don't have to be number one. We don't have to be have home court advantage because we understand what's going on now. But at the same time, I want to see if they're playing well going into the playoffs, and Giannis will be a big part of that. And the uh, victory for the Bucks certainly helps the Raptors in that Charlotte 
well, they're a little bit further behind Toronto now, four and a half games back, and they have fallen down to the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference. After beating the Raptors, they've now lost two in a row, three games below 500, and only a uh, game and a half up on the 11th place Washington Wizards. And, of course, with the head-to-head battle with the Raptors and the Nets, Toronto's lead going into tonight, now two games over the Brooklyn Nets in eighth. The Raptors a game and a half back of the Boston Celtics, a game that didn't have an impact on the Raptors, but we certainly have to mention as well, Ja Morant, who may be, may be the most exciting player in the NBA this season, this year. I mean, there's lots of excitement. There's lots to like. There's lots of MVP caliber type players, lots of stars to get into and whatnot. But Ja Morant has been absolutely incredible. He is a highlight reel damn near every single night. 22 of 30 last night, including a perfect four of four from distance. Seven rebounds, 52 points for John Morant as, again, the Grizzlies win 118-105 over the San Antonio Spurs. Yes, they should probably beat the Spurs. The Spurs are not very good. But 52, Jonesy, for John Morant and the Grizz keeping the pressure on the third seed in the West and now only a game back of the second seed Golden State Warriors. Uh, they're a team that, you know, as much as people are talking about the Warriors and and the Suns, and then at the bottom, everybody's focusing on the Lakers. Grizzlies are a solid club, and they're in that window where they have all that athleticism, young players, uh, and it's about getting experience. They got a little bit in the play-in last year. Is this the year that they make a big jump, Eric? Because it, it's not. We know it's not linear. It doesn't happen, oh, um, first round, conference semi, conference finals, NBA. It doesn't happen step by step, linear like that. You can take big jumps or you can go the other way too if you've been, uh, you know, in the finals or, or conference finals the next year. It's just that part of it is unpredictable. But I'd be watching out for Memphis this year. All right, one other game I want to mention. Ah, we can quickly glaze over this one with no disrespect intended. The uh, Miami Heat beating the Chicago Bulls 112-99. So that was certainly a big battle uh, in terms of the top seeds in the East. So maybe I shouldn't glaze over it. But uh, the other one I was focusing in on a little bit more because it could have a greater impact on the Raptors. There's a chance, I suppose, that, yes, they could vault all the way up and be chasing the Bulls or Heat. But to ignore the top seeds for a second... Oh, look it. I'm going to be pounding my chest a little bit more if I end up being oh, right here. Cleveland. Oh, the Cleveland. Cleveland Cavaliers lose again. Now only a game up on the Boston Celtics for that sixth seed as Cleveland has fallen to fifth. Yes, still 11 games above 500, but the Cavaliers lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves 127-122, the final of that game. And is this... The start or the continuation of the free fall. We shall see. But the Cavaliers now just uh, two and a half up on the Raptors and only, as I said, a game up on the Boston Celtics as they lose to the Timberwolves, who, by the way, are now four games above 500 and still trying to make their push towards top six in the West. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I look at the standings. It's kind of weird when you look at, when you look at uh, the West. And you look at the top and you see Phoenix and Golden State and Utah and Dallas and you, you keep looking down and where are the Lakers? And you think, wow, ninth. And um, the train wreck continues in Los Angeles. You know, we talked about it yesterday, talking back to the fans and uh, 
uh, it, I'm sorry, I can't take my eyes off it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that just is like that, Eric. It just is. But um, I look at the standings. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't look at the standings. I do. They, don't look, they say, I don't look till after All-Star break. Oh, okay, great. It is after All-Star break. But you know what? I'm looking all the time. I want to know where, where you know, I stand. I want to know who I'm chasing. I want to know who's in the rearview mirror. So uh, always have an eye on the standings. And it's, it's interesting to look at the West standings and keep waiting for the Lakers to get going. And they just, they just, they just may not this year. Uh, we may have lost Eric. Uh, the Gremlins visiting him this morning. All right. Well, the standings are one thing, uh, but when you think when you think about E, when you think about uh, the actual uh, matchups, looking at the standings, remember the one year, and everybody swears it was a reality that the Nets lost a game purposely at the end of the year to become the sixth seed to play the Raptors in the three six. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yep, I do. And, and they always say, never mess with the basketball gods. Well, if the Nets did that purposely, uh, they ended up winning the series over Toronto. But um, I, I wonder if people will be maneuvering in the standings at all. Just kind of, eh, not throwing games, but eh, it's okay if we don't win this one. Or just just trying to position themselves. I, I just, I, I always wonder if that goes through people's heads. Uh... I guess. I mean, it's listen. It's 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 certainly possible, but you know, I I I I think you would probably agree, right? That if you're trying to jockey and position yourself, you know, it's damn near impossible when, especially when you're that low and there's so many teams around you, right? When when a game or a half a game could make a difference, a loss here and there could make a difference, and and not just you, you could try and you could try and position yourself in a certain way, but then what happens when the other team wins a couple in a row or loses a couple in a row, and then it turns out that you thought you set yourself up to play a certain seed? And it turns out to be somebody else because you did your job, but they didn't do theirs by staying where they where they were supposed to be. They either rose or 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 fell, and you end up facing somebody else. Right? It's yeah. It's a dangerous game to play. It's dangerous. That said, all that said, for as much as we've ragged on or been critical, and rightfully so, justifiably so, uh, on the on the Lakers this year, I still wouldn't want to see them in the first round. Like no. any team that's got LeBron James, I'm not saying that they that you wouldn't go in as the favorite if you were the Warriors or the Suns or even the Grizzlies, and you might sweep away the Lakers. But you you'd be lying to me if you said there wasn't at least a little bit of a seed of doubt in your mind going, oh boy, we got the eighth seed Lakers and LeBron James. I don't care if it's if it's you know Boffo, Kennedy, Jones, and Smith with LeBron James. Look who he took to the finals with the Cavs way back when. Come on, Ira Newble. Like, let's list off who was in that starting five with LeBron James way back in the day. He's proven he can take uh, a bunch of average dudes to great heights and great lengths. So I'd be scared still to see the Lakers in spite of the struggles that they have had this season. And tell me that those guys aren't behind the scenes thinking, all right, let's write this script. Let's write this Hollywood script. Everybody dumps on us over the course of the season. Everybody ragging on us. We've had our issues, but we get into the playoffs even like five games below 500, make that eighth seed and become the first team in NBA history to win the championship as an eighth seed. Come on, man. That would end up being a movie for sure. Oh, boy. A Disney movie. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And, and Eric, you, you're right. Players are thinking that way. All it, all it takes, just give us a chance. And 
Look at what Kevin Durant did earlier in the year uh, against the Raptors. They had a lot of guys out, and they got he, – he helped carry guys. They had terrific games from, you know, Daron Sharp, Cam Thomas, you know, Kessler Edwards. All these guys came in, and people are saying, who are these guys? Well, they're playing with Kevin Durant. They're good yep. players. They're in the NBA. You don't just make the NBA – there's no scrubs in the NBA. And all of a sudden, you get with a good player, and you understand what to do and how to play. It's very dangerous. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And LeBron doesn't have. They're not all scrubs around LeBron. So yeah, you're right. Uh, and that's why I keep watching. I keep. I keep. It's great drama to see what's happening with them. Here we are, two thirds of the way into the season, and we're still watching. Uh, nothing's really crystallized there, uh, for the good anyway. That's come through. Lakers play tonight against the Dallas Mavericks at home in L.A. It's a 10 o'clock Eastern tip-off. But, of course, before that one, we will be busy in action uh, with the Raptors and the Nets. 7.30 down at Scotiabank Arena. We'll talk more about that game when we continue. Matt Devlin will join us on Smith & Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Raptors getting set for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Uh, the back-to-back home-at-home as the Raptors come off the victory in Brooklyn last night. And uh, Jonesy, you were on the TV side filling in for our next guest, the television voice of the Toronto Raptors, who has been sidelined with uh, COVID and uh, feeling good, doing good, and, and raring to get back. Uh, we bring him into the conversation right now. Matt Devlin, Matty D, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good man, good, good. All good, Maddie. All good. How's how's it? How's the experience been? I mean, just chilling out in the hotel room and running on the spot and doing laps around your bed. What's 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 happening, Maddie? Well, you, you know, you come, kind of describe my last four days right there. <laughs> uh, it's it's you know, it's a little bit of room service. It's uh, over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, just an immense amount of sports throughout the course of the day, uh, watching. Uh, and then, you know, obviously watching, you know, what's happening, you know, across the world, specifically with Ukraine and understanding that there's certainly, you know, bigger issues and um, just, you know, uh, you know, doing what, you know, is, I'm supposed to do. And, you know, fortunately, very fortunately, uh, feel good and, you know, felt fine, actually, uh, you know, throughout all of this. So. Um, you know, I'm just thankful for that, Matty. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you got a you got a chance to uh, either on your computer through League Pass or locally to tune in and, and watch the games. We were talking a lot about Malachi and getting his chance and making good with his chance. And you know, I made the point that I, I think he's becoming a good young pro. And last night's show because he was ready. What did you see? What did you observe? What did you notice uh, about him as you, as you tuned into the game? Well, I think Jonesy, you know, first of all, you know, one of the things that has been, as the three of us know, and fans that follow the Toronto Raptors know, has been of great benefit. has been the Raptors 905. And we also know that over the course of the last three seasons, given what we've all had to deal with uh, throughout the world, 
that has been limited access to that for players uh, to develop, right? And that is something that the Raptors have relied on. And, and so Malachi Flynn hasn't had all of that exposure this year more than others, right, with respect to Delano Banton also going there as well as Yuta Watanabe. And I think it's so important, as you mentioned earlier in the show, just being ready. And that's such a part of being a pro. And I know in speaking with Nick Nurse about, you know, Malachi, you're right, running the team, right, running the team, playing D, running the team. And I think that it starts, as we all know, with Nick Nurse defensively. And then, you know, run that team. You know within the structure of the offense that you're going to get shots in this offense. Everybody's going to get shots, but does it mean just because you're open? Does it not mean that the guy that you now make that extra pass to maybe even has a better shot, right? So all of that, I think was on display. We also know that it's matchup driven as well. And so it was a positive sign moving forward, and you hope that this is going to be, you know, a step forward. And I think that Nick is looking at it as a step forward for Malachi as we head now down to the final, what, now 22 games. Okay, Matt, hold on a second. I, I'm, I'm going to derail the conversation here. Well, not derail okay. it. I'm going to steer it a different direction right in the middle. We're going to go back to the Raptors, but I can't find – a better segue, perhaps, than what you just provided me. So I'm, I'm jumping on it. When you talk about everybody getting shots, Jonesy, I know you saw this as well. So we're going to go back to the Raptors in a second. But how about your son, the student yes. manager at Iowa, getting shots last night during a timeout, the half-court shot on senior night. Jack Devlin drops it down. And I'm telling you, I, Jonesy, I was saying this to Maddie last night, texting, and we talked briefly as well. I saw Matt post, like, a video of him, like, shooting the television or his computer screen or something. And I was like, okay, well, you know, Matty Maddie, Maddie knows technology, but I got to assume that there's a, a better video than him shooting his television somewhere. I got I to get a better shot of this summer. So I go quickly on the Twitter, and I just type in Iowa basketball. Boom, pops up. Jack Devlin, and it's on the NCAA handle, like the NCAA March Madness Twitter handle with like a million followers or something. Then I type, like, what are the odds that, does, I don't even know, I know Jack's got Instagram, but does he have Twitter? So I tried, I can't find Jack Devlin on Twitter, but let's, let's just type in Jack Devlin in the search engine on Twitter. Jack Devlin on SI uh, Sports Illustrated, Barstool Sports, Iowa, uh, uh, Big Ten, like, He's everywhere dropping down this half-court shot. I don't know if it made it to SportsCenter or not, but, Matty, he was all over the place last night. Uh, well, he, he did make it on the Scott Van Pelt show. There you uh, go. Amazing. Night, Amazing. Uh, as, as he did, in, as I know, in, in Canada as well. And it, it's so heartwarming. You know, obviously, you know, could not be there um, last night and – both of you know Jack's story. You know, Jack has special needs, and it brought a tear to my eye last night watching it and all of the warmth and the love that he received. He is a part of an unbelievable program at the University of Iowa called The Reach, realizing education and career hopes for uh, students ages 18 to 25 that have intellectual, cognitive, and learning disabilities and 
Um, it has, as both of you know, been an unbelievable journey over the last 22 years as our oldest son and my wife, Erin, dedicating her time and life to him. And I get emotional, you know, talking about it. Um, you know, as a youngster, we traveled, as all parents do that have children uh, that have special needs, you know, trying to find answers. And, you know, there really weren't, you know, all the answers that you want as a parent, but you you, you take everything in and, you know, you know, he's, is he on the spectrum? Is he not on the spectrum? Is he this? Is he that? And and we came across a doctor when he was about seven years of age and, and said, would it be okay if I just said that he's Jack? You know, he's got all these things. And, and, and that's, you know, um, and that's who he is. He's a special young man. And the University of Iowa, Fran McCaffrey, uh, has just, you know, they have embraced him. And he loves being a part of a team, uh, and they have just been amazing. And but not to get lost in in all of this is is, you know, he uh, was accepted into this program with about sixty kids are in this program. It's one of the best programs in North America where you actually live on campus at the University of Iowa. You're connected to the College of Education. I mean. Jonesy, you and I have talked about this. I mean, it yeah. just makes so much sense. It just yeah. makes, and you, 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 with your education background, you know, you live your first two years in a dorm where they house the College of Education, and you're surrounded by students who are studying special needs. It's a full integration into this program, and they teach you life skills, and those things still continue on a daily basis, and um, you know, now he's in an apartment um, that is on campus, but slightly on the outskirts. So you have to learn to take the bus and do all these other things and learn how to cook and, and you know, not just uh, make craft uh, dinner and mac and cheese every night. But um, you know what? It's just been an amazing program and, and you know, so grateful and thankful uh, for Jack uh, that, you know, he's been a part of that. Maddie, I'll say this. Uh, e and I are both dads. We're both parents, too. You're a great dad. Like you you and your wife, Erin, and, uh, you know, yeah, the time and the energy and the love that you pour into Jack. And like all the guys, Luke, and he, like yeah. uh, it's it's a parent knows. A parent knows. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you, you, it's an amazing – you do an amazing job, you and Erin. And I, I, I was sitting on the bus last night after the game when they showed that to me. And I, I was losing it. Like, like, and and to know, to me, for me, to know Jack too, to know his, um, his demeanor, his 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 yeah. energy, um, yeah. you know, his enthusiasm. Like, they just they mobbed him, and I thought, oh, that 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 is that's wonderful. Yeah. Did it make the best thing I saw with Scott Van Pelt? It must have been up there well, somewhere. It, where it was, I think, I, I think it was in the middle of the Iowa. Uh, it was in the, the middle highlights. of the Iowa highlights, but I, yeah. yes, but you know, funny enough, I didn't know that he was going to do that. And then all of a sudden I'm getting texts that, uh, <laughs> you know, Fran McCaffrey, they, I, um, there's a, uh, an assistant there, uh, Kyle Denning, who used to be a student manager that has really taken Jack under his wing. And, and prior to that, uh, a, 
a gentleman by the name of Thomas Deitch, and then also Al Seibert, who's the director of basketball operations. And I guess they asked him a couple of days ago, hey, you know, what do you think? Can you do it? And he does it quite a bit at practice, and the players love it. Long story short, um, Connor McCaffrey was saying that he's been practicing the last couple of days, but he's been coming up short. And then uh, I got a call last night from Kyle, and Kyle said that they asked him if he wanted to practice yesterday morning, and he, Jack just said, no, I'm going to just save it for the game. And uh, he, you know, ended up <laughs> making it on his second shot. So last night, in which was just a wonderful moment, all five of us, you know, uh, with – you know, Luke up in Aurora, Ontario, Ian out in Coquitlam, British Columbia, uh, my wife, and then myself. We are all on FaceTime with Jack, and we dial up Jack. And the first thing he says when he answers is, Drano. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie. And I'm like, yeah, Luke. I said, Jack. I said, Jack, you know. But he, um, you oh. know, the guys get a, a big uh, – kick out of him the players do and and he does have a a lot of responsibilities there which make him you know obviously feel proud and and it is a wonderful moment and uh, as both of you know that have been around him uh he illuminates such joy yeah. and love yeah. and uh last year as it has been for so many he couldn't be a part of the team last year because of all the restrictions you know it was a really tough one for him um, and so for him to be able to have a senior night like that last night uh, was certainly impactful. So, um, you know, thank you both, obviously, for asking about it and, and kind of shining a light, not necessarily on Jack, but, you know, on, on kids and students with special needs. Uh, speaking with Matt Devlin, television voice of the Raptors. And, uh, it, folks, if you've missed it, I don't know how you've missed it if you're a basketball Yeah, you're fan, living but, under but, a rock. Yeah, it's 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 all over, like I say, it's all over Twitter and Instagram. Check out Matt's handle or mine or Jonesy's or, or, or Sports Illustrated or, or the NCAA or whatever else. It's all over the place. Jack dropping down that shot and the reaction uh, from his from his team, from his teammates and his friends uh, is, is just as great as the shot itself as well. And, Matt, you know what? Maybe just even tying in to, to kind of wrap things up here the last couple of minutes. I, I, you know, I don't want to get you know too too fluffy here, I suppose, but it, it really does kind of speak to, um, and and you and I, I'll, I'll share a, a portion of you know a private off the air conversation. One of the things you said to me yesterday in in talking about a bunch of different things and talking about even what you're going through right now, there are. A lot of people that have it worse, and you said it off the top when you mentioned even just what's happening with Ukraine and Russia right now, let alone so many other things happening across the globe that maybe we don't always see in our Canadian or our North American bubble, or we see it but we choose to ignore it, or we don't put as much attention on it. And when you think about you know, a, a, a broadcaster going through COVID or, or a broadcaster, somebody that people see on television that's got a much different uh, situation at home that has had his or her own struggles or, or hurdles in life or whatever and it just kind of speaks to when I tie it into the athletes where we often talk about and Jonesy I think it was even just on yesterday's show we discussed where it's two three four hours for a baseball basketball hockey football player whatever athlete soccer player whatever it may be but the other 20 hours of the day no matter what their paycheck says they're still human beings they still got spouses and significant others and children and lives and parents and the same struggles and thoughts and views and whatever that a lot of us do and i think we often maybe forget about that and forget about the human aspect of sports 
Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's no, yeah, no question. And I often say this when we talk about Tampa Raptors, and, and that is, well, they got off to a 2 and 10 start. Well, um, okay, pick up and go to a new job uh, two weeks prior to starting it or a week prior, not knowing where that new job was going to be, first of all, be, right? And see how you react on your job for the first month or so. Right. Trying to find a place to live. What are you going to do with your kids? What school are you going to keep your family where they are? All those sort of different things. And then finally, when you get settled in, as they did a year ago and get 17, 17. And then, of course, as we know, COVID. Right. Not to relive that. But yet, I mean, those are the things that we all, you know, from a daily basis are a part of it. And, um, you know, so, you know, you always kind of keep that in, in the back of your mind. And as we know, when we, you know talk to people on a daily basis you never know you know what people are going through you know at that moment in their lives and um but you know the raptors as we know big big win last night and um you know tonight second night of a back-to-back and you know important for them to kind of continue on because as uh, both of you know you know you're heading out now onto this road trip you know after this three-game stint at home uh, you know, in this stretch run here, extremely important. A lot of jockeying in the standings for sure to come. Matty, appreciate the time today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, continue to, to stay well, get better, and we'll look forward to having you back on the broadcast uh, in, in the next few games. Well, thank you to both of you. And, uh, Jonesy, keep up the great work on the TV side. And, and E, keep up the great work on the radio side. I know you've had to go solo a couple of times, so uh, best to both of you. Yeah, Thanks, get man. back here so we can get back to regular stuff, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, Matt, feel, I'm oh, feel, feeling better, and, you know, no, I'm feeling better, and uh, hopefully be clearing protocols by early next week. So Good. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. There's Matt Devlin, television voice of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, again, sidelined for a few more, so Jonesy will have the action uh, on the TV side and uh, not, not able to join me on the radio as a result because uh, he's, he's, he's pulling the uh, double duty. I don't think we've seen a stretch of games like this, Jonesy, no. on one network, Sportsnet or TSN, in a long time. So I looked down at the schedule. I'm thinking, man, it's like six straight on the three-letter or five straight or something. So as a result, you're getting yanked onto the other side, and, uh, and I've had to go solo, but... Uh, uh, that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to getting you back on the radio as well, uh, hopefully sometime early next week as the Raptors get set for the Nets tonight, 7.30 tip-off down at Scotiabank Arena with fans in the stands. And I, I wanted to mention with that as well, I was watching last night, and I know you and Leo got into a brief discussion about this. I don't have the latest number. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's 17,000 or if it's 19,620 with the sell-up being 19,800. I'm not sure what the ticket sales are at. I'm not sure what the crowd's going to be like tonight, Jonesy, but you did mention last night that at least as of last night, it wasn't a sellout. Um, I wonder, uh, well, I shouldn't even say I wonder. It's pretty obvious, the answer. The answer is there's at least a portion of the public and perhaps a large portion of the public that doesn't necessarily like what the government's doing. And I'm not trying to turn this political or anything, but... The Raptors, even at the beginning of this season, correct me if I'm wrong, sold out every single game. There was a comfort level that people had with going back into buildings. And the arena was sold out. And tickets were at a premium. And it was tough to get tickets, even in the secondary market. Now, post-Omicron, I think there are a lot of people that are kind of scratching their heads going, hold on a second here, without the vaccine passports now, 
Mm, I'm not sure. And immediately somebody's going to listen right now. I guarantee I'm going to get a tweet of somebody saying, ah, if you don't like it, stay home. Well, that's that's the case, though. I think a lot yeah. of people are at that point saying, well, I'm not sure. Because going into a store uh, for a couple of minutes, granted, I know you can get it in five seconds, but I think the exposure level or the potential exposure level might be different going into a store versus sitting in a building for two, three, four hours or something. And I'm not saying one's right, wrong, or otherwise. I'm not taking a stand, folks, either way. Just simply stating the facts of, I believe the ticket sales speak for themselves. When you're selling out games earlier this year and maybe not selling out games now, that maybe is the public telling you, eh, we're not totally, totally sure about this. And I think Eric. that might be a challenge, not just for the Raptors, but for a lot of sports franchises moving forward in the next couple of months, let alone even beyond that. I think the thing that we all have to understand is people have different viewpoints and yep. you need to respect the differences. You know, I have friends that, you know, earlier in the year, I offered them my tickets and they respectfully declined saying, you know what, even with the vaccine passport and all of that, I'm just not comfortable going to the arena. I'm like, okay, no worries. But, you know, if it comes up and things change or whatever, keep me in mind again, no problem. And I'm not trying to convince them to go or oh, you're not thinking like that or downplay their feelings. Just people have different views. Just respect them. And if you agree to disagree, just do it in an agreeable way. That's all. That's, I, I, I think that's fair, Jonesy. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, all right. Let's step aside here for a moment. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review as well. Joining us on the line right now as we get set for the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors tonight down at Scotiabank Arena. 7.30 tip-off as it's the back-to-back home-at-home for both of these teams. Uh, Afternoon drive host on WFAN and host as well of Evan's Brooklyn Basketball Podcast, Evan Roberts joining us. Evan, thanks for the time today. No problem. How are we doing? You feeling good after pounding the Nets by 36? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I, listen, I, I was 0 for 0. I didn't, I didn't grab a board, hit a shot, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good for the most part, Evan. Um, how are the Nets feeling right now, though, trying to kind of, you know, uh, navigate the choppy waters right now of injuries and COVID protocols and restrictions and everything else, trying to make sure that maybe the water has settled and the ship is right for postseason if nothing else. Here's the problem. I I am not convinced that choppy waters ever stop chopping. Like, Kyrie Irving is not eligible to play home games. I'm not convinced that's going to change anytime soon. Kevin Durant is going to come back from injury, and fingers crossed he'll remain healthy. And Ben Simmons, I don't know when he's going to play. And you saw the Nets last night. You saw what this roster looks like when you take away Kevin Durant, and you don't have Kyrie Irving, and you don't have Ben Simmons, and you don't have Joe Harris. They're not any good. This is a lottery team without those guys. And so, yes, in a perfect world, I can envision everybody being healthy and everybody playing and them looking like a championship team. But they've never been healthy. They've never all played together. And so it's it's tough to not think that this season is going to end in disaster because we've never seen these guys play together. And so why should I all of a sudden believe it's going to happen? 
Yeah, Evan, and look, the recent trade pointed that out to me. Uh, you know, a good record when Harden, Irving, and Durant were together, but they played, what, 18 games together or something like that? It wasn't, it wasn't very many. And no. I, 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 this team is dangerous on paper. We had it. We talked about it last night, too. Look at, look at what they have. But unless, you know, unless you're on paper, unless you're playing Stratomatic, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, Evan, but unless you're playing that way, I mean, you've got to do stuff out in the court. And, and, and you also need time to put that together. And that's the yes. other thing. They're running out of room here. 100%. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Even if you told me magically, in two weeks, Ben Simmons is healthy, Kyrie Irving's allowed to play home games, and Kevin Durant is healthy, that would be my next fear. My next fear would be, okay, now you're going to go into a battle, a seven-game postseason series, obviously a uh, play-in tournament before that. But even if you get through that, you have guys that haven't played together. And it's just very difficult to believe in the rigors of a seven-game series and that trust that needs to develop between teammates that everything's going to click. You're, you're right. I am so sick of hearing about what they are on paper. I'm so sick of all the experts saying this is the team to beat. Maybe I'm saying this as a disillusioned diehard fan who's rooted for this team since the Jersey days. I have no reason to believe, A, they're going to all play together, and then, B, magically, they're going to develop that chemistry. That's so important to succeed in the postseason. So, Evan, let me ask you this, and this is absolutely 1,000% revisionist. If you're Brooklyn, would you, I mean, listen, nobody knew what was happening or, or was going to happen with a pandemic and how that impacted the Kyrie Irving situation. But if you could do it all over again, if you're Sean Marks, who I got a ton of respect for, for swinging for the fences, would you do anything differently with bringing in James Harden? Would you do anything differently with trading James Harden? Would you do anything differently with this team? Or is this just sort of like the hand that's been dealt and we've thus had to react as uh, Nets, you know, players, coaches, organization, fans, etc. Well, first of all, signing Durant and Kyrie Irving, I would do a million times over. So that, that one's easy for me. They mm-hmm. had to do it. Otherwise, they would have kind of been stuck in, we're a good young team that's never going to win an NBA championship territory. So that one's easy. Plus, they gave, no, gave up no assets to do it. The Harden thing's more complicated. So in the moment when they made the trade for James Harden, I was pissed. I hated it. And I hated it for a few reasons. And a lot of it had to do with my own kind of fear of what I saw happen when they made the trade with Boston a few years ago, where you give up every draft pick known to man. And in this case, not only were they giving up every draft pick known to man, but they were giving up Jared Allen, a guy we as Net fans adored, Karis LeVert. So I didn't love the deal at first. Now, once Harden had the right attitude and he was in that building, the guy was magnificent. It's kind of like what's happening right now in Philadelphia. When James Harden's happy and he's motivated, he's brilliant to watch. To me, he was like Jason Kidd on steroids. But the problem is, she cheats on someone else, she's going to cheat on you. You know what I mean? James Harden was a fat, miserable loser in Houston, and then he pulled the same stuff with us. So I didn't want to make the trade at first. I obviously flip-flopped when I got to see how brilliant he was playing. But, yeah, that, the whole James Harden thing hurts because if they don't make that deal, now they've got all these first-round picks that they could have used in a different trade. Jared Allen, who, by the way, is an all-star, is still on this roster. And who knows what Ben Simmons is going to be? Like, I have no idea when he plays and if he's going to overcome the issues that he faced in the postseason a year ago. So, yeah, revisionist history, if I could go back in a time machine, no, I wouldn't have made the James Harden trade. And I think this roster looks very, very different if they don't make that trade. Uh, all right. Just kind of moving off the nets for a little bit, your point about James Harden. 
Uh, he's with Daryl Morey now. Might that not make him happy and, and have him just, hey, I'm ready to play it out now and, and give all that I have where I haven't in other spots? I'll give it a year. Yeah, I think he's going to be very, very happy for one year. He's with Daryl. He's with Joel. They love each other. No one could stop them on pick and rolls. It's fantastic. And then he's going to become miserable. That's, that's a lesson I've learned in life. You're not going to change your spots. At some point, he's going to say, I hate playing with Joel Embiid. <laughs> he's going to become miserable and force his way to the L.A. Clippers or something like that. Now, maybe that's just something I'm hoping for because misery loves company. And if he turned on my franchise within a year, I just fully expect that he would turn on Philadelphia. I mean, who the heck wants to live in Philly? But, uh, look, I admit I'm a jilted, jilted lover. I would be the first to admit it. But I just think that when you show your true colors over and over again, eventually you're going to show the same thing in your new location. That's my prediction, and hopefully I'm right. Uh, speaking with Evan Roberts, uh, afternoon drive host on WFAN and host of uh, Evan's Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. So, Evan, we're getting set for the Nets and Raptors tonight at Scotiabank Arena. Again, 7.30 tip-off, folks, and we'll have the action right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. But, Evan, I- I'm going to shift attention just a little bit here in closing. Is the best thing that has happened – to the New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, at least with everything going on in Brooklyn, we're kind of ignoring that this team that was, you know, making some noise finally last year is making a whole lot of noise for the wrong reasons this year. Just the free fall for the Knicks. You know, it's funny. I, I, as a Nets fan, I want the Nets to be super popular. I want people in New York to care. But this is a Nick town. I'd be lying to you if I said anything has changed in terms of popularity. So trust me. Nick fans and the media in this town is still bashing the Knicks at the same level they would have 15 years ago. Now, the Nets get some attention. Don't get me wrong. The vaccine stuff with Kyrie certainly gets a lot of attention. But the Knicks cannot hide. You know, their failures this season and how bad they've been, especially like you mentioned after the surprise of a year ago when Julius Randle's like the king of the town. Now he's a pariah in this town. They can't hide. Nick fans and the New York media still identify the failure there is the New York Knicks, even while sharing the town with the Nets. <laughs> Misery loves company. Um, Evan, back-to-back games, and Eric and I, as, as people on the Raptor side, you kind of have this fear that, um, you know, in baseball, you, you win 15-1 to one on one night, and the next night you play the same team and you lose one nothing. Um What's going to help the Nets bounce back tonight, and and what's going to make it a closer game? A couple of things. First of all, they're not as bad as they are when they don't have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and the whole crew. They're not this bad. You know what I mean? Like, I think that Patty Mills, who's been in a massive shooting slump for a couple of weeks now, and he continued that last night, I think he plays better. I think Seth Curry, who's played very well since coming to the Nets, plays better. Bruce Brown looked good for a few minutes last night, and as soon as uh, Jacques Vaughn pulled him out of the game. That was it. Like, he was a different guy. I, I, I think just we saw a lot of individuals last night play terribly. Cam Thomas did not play well. I just expect that you are going to see a bunch of guys play better than they did last night. Now, I don't necessarily think that translates into a road victory for the Nets, but they can't be much worse than what we saw last night in Brooklyn. And I was in the building. And the crowd, it takes a while before the Brooklyn crowd gets restless and starts booing and starts getting ticked off. It happened last night. So I just expect that the effort and the performance will be better. They were very sloppy early in the game with some of those turnovers. Defensively, they were abysmal. LaMarcus Aldridge had a very tough time. 
I just think you're going to see a lot of guys play better, and I think that does translate into a closer game. Evan, appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There is uh, Evan Roberts, afternoon host on WFAN in New York, and uh, he's also got Evan's Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast, much like you can find Smith & Jones, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever it may be. Download, rate, review, subscribe, share, all of that good stuff. Jonesy, a couple of minutes left here. Raptors and Nets tonight, 7.30 tip-off, 7 o'clock pregame coverage here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Busy week for the Raptors. They are now on the second night of the back-to-back, but the second game of four in five nights and a stretch of five in seven nights with the Raptors playing later on this week, Thursday, Friday, then one more day off on Saturday before being right back at it on Sunday. So this is a grind, and as bad as it looked uh, a couple of days ago after those rough losses to Charlotte and Atlanta, certainly you would uh, kind of wipe away uh, those bad vibes and those losses, if you're able to get two against the Nets and then roll into what should be, and again, I know we always say you got to play them, and the, and, and, and the Pistons have had your number, no doubt, but you got a couple of winnable ball games coming up here that could suddenly turn this thing from a, a little streak on the bad side to a pretty good streak on the positive side, and it's what we've discussed. Make sure you put an end to a skid. You can't lose more than two in a row and then try to go on another extended winning streak. Well, I mean, tonight's game is huge because of the implications in the standings again uh, with with yep. Brooklyn right behind Toronto. So, um, you know, we, we've done this before, right? You look at the schedule, E, and it could be a, could easily be a, a four-game winning streak. Well, you got to take care of things. You can't look that far ahead. And I, I just think it's going to be uh, a different ball game tonight. You know, Brooklyn... Well, maybe for lack of a better word, embarrassed at times in their own building. Uh, Toronto really came out and, and handed it to them. And a couple of guys that, you know, some of the fans are saying, okay, well, I heard about Scotty Barnes, but Malachi Flynn. And, it, you know, it, I just think they're going to come out with a lot more effort tonight. And we know how these things go. I, I just see a really close game tonight. So, again, Raptors net 7 o'clock pregame show, 7.30 tip-off down at Scotiabank Arena. I believe there might be a few tickets left available for tonight's game. Uh, If you uh, want to attend, it's your first time in a long time being able to do so, going back to mid-December when things shut down and the Raptors have been playing in an empty building, but fans back there tonight and uh, looking forward to being back there as well and calling the action right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan again, subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back on Wednesday with Alvin Williams Wednesdays and a whole lot more Stay safe and healthy, folks.